Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by visiting imsaradio.com or search for IMSA radio wherever they get their podcasts. The Michelin Countdown to Green on IMSA Radio. Hello everybody and welcome along to our Michelin Countdown to Green at the uh, Road America round of the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship for 2022. It's John Heindorf in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. Let's immediately check in with Shea Adam, who is down on what is a very busy uh, pit lane. Good morning, Shea. The, the doomsayers, those who were sure that we'd be plodging around in two inches of water by now, well, <laughs> it's actually cleared up rather nicely. There was a bit of rain at about 6.30 this morning. But it's brightening up down at the south, and we've almost got a dry track again. Yeah, we do, John, and I think it was a monsoon-like condition was the phrase that was used by Philippe Albuquerque, the pole sitter for this race coming up. There's a lot of work going on to his car right now as they are making adjustments, whether that's coming off of a wet weather setup and going to a dry weather one, or perhaps maybe going back towards one because there are a lot of pop-up showers in the area and the pressure is dropping. I can't be 100% sure, but they do have different dive planes in hand from the front they have already adjusted that and they're changing the rear wing angle it looks like they're taking rear wing out of it uh, actually it looks like the rear wing kind of popped off there uh, unintentionally but i'm going to keep my eyes out for people to interview because we do have a lot of pole sitters to talk to five of them in total uh, but it is very muggy out here has not kept the fans away that's the good news lots of people want to see race cars and that's what they're going to get 87% humidity uh, officially at the moment. Air temperature 24 Celsius, that's 75 Fahrenheit, 26 on the track. Uh, that is about 79 Fahrenheit. Little change. Uh, IMS have been a bit proactive here, Shea, to yes. make sure that we don't get into the situation that uh, we got ourselves into at, at Watkins Glen. Let's try and say that. Uh, and uh, they've made some changes to drive times, but not in DPI. Uh, no, DPI is the only class that remains the same because their minimum drive time to begin with was, uh, well, less than anybody else. So that's only 10 minutes for those cars. For LMP2, it cuts down from 60 minutes to 30. From GTD Pro, GTD, and LMP3, it goes from 45 to 30. What this means is that at that 30-minute mark, John, we are going to see a flood of race cars because everyone will be coming in to put in their second driver. If we get lightning in the area and we have to go to a red flag situation and both of your drivers have not met minimum drive time and the race is stopped, you are disqualified. You're moved to the back yeah. of the grid, meaning that in order to get the points that you feel that you've earned, i.e. further up than last on the grid, you need to make sure that you've hit that time. It really takes an element out of today's race because now everybody has to do the same thing, which means that toward the end of the race, well, after the 30-minute mark has elapsed, it's going to be an even keel playing field for everybody. No advantages anywhere. Uh, it's a little early, I think, for some of the drivers to be out there, but there's plenty of 
of uh, teams out there. The cars are all there, of course, here, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, all the cars are here. We had a pit stop demo, which I was uh, honored to be a part of with Johnny Knotts, where we had a race between Riley and Proton, i.e. WeatherTech Racing. I'm happy to say that the first time they went through, it was a dead even tie. The second time, it was barely ahead for the Mercedes, but it was a very good demonstration. The fans out here enjoying it, and all the cars are now back in their grid spots, so we are good. Uh, and Chief, just one final thing about the weather. We, we, we saw the Porsche Carrera Cup North America presented by Visit Cayman Islands earlier on. They were all on wet tyres. That's a dry track that I'm looking at now. But there, there is only one slick tyre and one wet tyre in terms of compound and construction for the whole grid. There's no choices here and there are no intermediates. That's correct, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes, correct. And it was funny because some of the... Uh, guys yesterday were saying oh we're gonna have to cut extra grooves into our michelins tongue-in-cheek of course you're not allowed to do that but they were so worried about the quantity of rain that was supposed to be falling at this point already in the day the good news is that the rain is not coming out in that uh, manner and so we don't necessarily need those wet weather tires yet but that being said john i came down and i walked down the entire pit lane on the backside. Everybody has wet weather tires yes. ready to go. And far fewer teams have those slick tires, uh, fresh slick tires ready to go. I think we might have had a couple of people over the course of the weekend so far burn through more of their dry weather allotment because they were expecting uh, so much rain. We talked about this, didn't we, on, on Friday and Saturday. And I think I always thought that was dangerous. I, you know, I was having a bit of a tongue-in-cheek moment about weather forecasts still keep weather forecasters still keeping their job even when they're less than fifty percent correct. Um, <laughs> at the moment, you would say this is going to be a dry race. We're a wee while away mm. from from getting things out. I I, I thought that was dangerous. I'm, if I'm off, if I'm honest, I wouldn't say it's going to be a dry race. I would say it might start dry. But watching the radar and watching the way that these pop-up showers are developing and the way that the pressure continues to dry. I think we will get rain at some point. And of course, this being Road America, Elkhart Lake, August, when it rains, it does pour. So it could be um, interstitials of short, aggressive rainfalls. Uh, Shea, I'll let you go and find uh, one or two people whilst we catch up on uh, some bits and pieces that's been going on over the weekend. We'll be back with Shea. Here's what's coming up in our Michelin Countdown to Green. We'll have a Porsche keys to the race. Jeremy Shaw will be joining me in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre uh, for the full rundown of the grid. And we'll be chatting with the new man at the head of Michelin Motorsport North America, Jason Anzalone. That's all still to come. Plus, we'll have some words of wisdom from the state of the sport from John Doonan. That's all coming up in a wee while, but let's go straight back to share who's with the man whose name is above the door at Wayne Taylor Racing. Wayne, your team is no stranger to getting pole positions, but there seemed to be a little bit of extra excitement yesterday with Philippe Albuquerque claiming the pole. What was it that gave the team the morale booster? Um, it was just a perfect, perfect lap. And, um, um, you know, this championship's going down to the wire. So every point counts, and um, so we had said we got to get the pole to gain another three or five points, which we did. And now, you know, everybody seems excited about the race today. I just hope the rain doesn't spoil it. But um, you know, so the 60 car, us, the 01. I mean, everybody still has a chance in winning this championship, and I think. Um, I think it's been set up that way till we go down to the wire at Petit Le Mans. 
so we'll see, you know, just take it race by race and qualifying by qualifying. What is it about this organization that you've created and, and been a part of creating, I will give credit to other people as well, that every year when it comes to the championship, you guys are right there in the thick of it? Yeah, you know, we are, but we're always in the thick of it, but we keep finishing second. You know, we've, we've won it, obviously, before, but the last three years, it's like we've lost by a point. You know, and we've said this year, they said, there's just no way we're going to do that again. And um, so we want to just get maximum points that we can. Depending on the outcome of this weekend, there's so many variables on points and stuff going into Petite. So I can't even think about Petite at the moment. I can only think about today. Well, and as an Acura brand ambassador, as you are, does it make you at least happy that it's two Acuras fighting for this championship? Yeah, it's really good. You know, Acura really, um, I've put so much effort into all of this, you know, from HPD. Um, these guys are relentless and um, fully supportive, fully engaged. And that's what's made our two cars leading the championship, quite honestly. Um, I'd rather be leading, but at least it's already. I think today, if we can win and clinch the Manufacturers' Championship for them, I think that's probably more important to them than the Team Championship or the Driver Championship, which I totally understand. So we'll, we always have to take that into account. You know, we're doing this for Acura and HPD. Wayne, good luck today. Thanks. Sheer Adam down on the pit lane with, with Wayne Taylor at the front of the field. There was a lot of whooping and a hollering for that uh, pole position uh, from uh, from their driver when they got back to the pit lane. Well, we're in the Michelin countdown to green. Friday evening here at the Tufter Centre. The uh, the now traditional state of the sport. John Doonan up on stage uh, describing the uh, movement forward in the last 12 months and of course revealing the schedules for next year for 2023 and some changes there got the opportunity after the presentation to speak one-on-one -on -one with John Doonan and ask him about the state of the sport yeah the enthusiasm I've uh, seen heard and and felt from uh, Roger Penske Doug Bowles Mark Miles everybody at the Speedway uh, the announcement when we made it uh, last Friday had the IMSA logo up on the Pagoda. It had the IMSA logo on the scoring pylon down the front straightaway. Uh, for them to announce that they're for the first time going to open up the infield of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway to camping for families. Uh, to be able to go there at an uh, incredible time of year, uh, the fall, uh, the autumn, uh, in the Midwest. I'm hoping uh, we got lots of beautiful colors. We're going to run a Michelin pilot race from daylight into darkness. Um, we're going to have an NBC network show on Sunday for the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, and uh, we have an eye on a longer race uh, for WeatherTech. But uh, daylight into darkness for Michelin Pilot Challenge is going to be something else. And the key there is you're telling me that this isn't a one-off. This isn't 2023 only. This is an arrangement, and you don't have to tell me for how long, but this is a multiple-year arrangement that might not stay exactly as we say at the first year. That's for sure. Um, we are in a multi-year agreement uh, with the intention of seeing how uh, cars race there from daylight into darkness and, and hope to do more of that in, in the, the years after that. We're putting two and two together and getting far more than four there, John. Um, another new venue uh, in terms of, of IMSA for the 
piece of racetrack that we're racing on it is Detroit, no longer beautiful Belle Isle. We're going back to downtown, not exactly where they used to race back in the days that I can just about remember, because I am old enough to that, but Jeremy Shaw always tells me how great it was racing downtown. It's a difficult weekend. All of these moving pieces that we always talk about, it's Le Mans test day and the first year of GTP. Was that in any way um, a determining factor on taking Pilot Challenge GS, the GT uh, four cars, rather than WeatherTech there? It really comes down to the global motorsports calendar and, and in this particular case, uh, Lamar's centenary celebration. Uh, we want to be respectful of that. We want to be respectful of the teams and the manufacturers and the drivers that are uh, competing both uh, with us here in IMSA as well as at the 24 Hours of Lamar. Uh, this provided us an opportunity with uh, the support of the folks at Chevrolet that have been so supportive of uh, that event on Belle Isle, but now to have it running right by their front step, uh, uh, downtown Detroit, it's going to be a great show. And I think the, the GS category produces uh, tremendous racing mm-hmm. on natural terrain circuits. I cannot wait uh, to see the battle on the streets of Detroit when we bring uh, the likes of the Chevy Camaro, the Ford Mustang, the Toyota Supra, the AMG Mercedes, uh, the Porsche Cayman, uh, the Aston Martin. It's going to be incredible. Uh, add BMW in the mix, too. Yeah, and street cars on a street circuit always seems somehow quite right for me, and downtown just adds a, uh, a, another fabulous ingredient to that, that already very rich mix uh, that we will have there. That GS split, because it will be just the GS from Pilot Challenge, gives you an opportunity to do something slightly different with the other half of Michelin Pilot Challenge, no less important, the front-wheel drive TCR category, which is growing and growing in popularity. What's happening with them, and and what was the thought process behind them having an event on their own? Well, we uh, thought a lot about the overall um, mix of uh, the, the season by taking GS to Detroit. It opened up an opportunity to feature TCR at Lime Rock Park. Uh, as you know, that circuit is uh, prime uh, for, for little sedans. Um, and well, and they're, you know, in that first part of the track, they're as quick, if not quicker, than the GT4 cars. And the racing there is phenomenal. Yeah, and for them to uh, race for an overall win, if you mm. will, uh, what Hyundai has done there, what Honda has done there, what Audi's done there, um, it's, it's some thrilling racing. And so to give them a feature slot uh, at a place that I think races extremely well uh, should be an awesome show. The, in terms of the WeatherTech Championship, the, uh, the two GT-only events remain, that being um, Lime Rock Park and VIR. Both have been tremendously successful and congratulations are due to both management groups at those circuits for really building on those two events. Yeah, um, Kerrigan and Connie have done a terrific job at VIR. I was there in a site visit a few weeks ago with Paul Walter. Uh, what they've done to the, the pit lane there, what they've done by putting in uh, barriers all around the circuit, um, they have put a lot of thought into it. They're investing heavily in, in what is already a stunningly beautiful circuit uh, to make it even better. Uh, we're thrilled uh, with our partnership there. Um, obviously, um, again, Lime Rock produces mm. some incredible racing, um, short circuit, but uh, you know, no, no less uh, uh, great place to see these cars perform just more laps they just come around so quickly (laughs) the other categories gtp obviously we know about we're all very excited about that the cars look stunning and those are the ones we know about um 
holding faith with LMP2 and LMP3. I've, I heard a, a number of people are being slightly worried about whether you might have to take some action in terms of performance levels for LMP2 to, as the ACO would say, stratify the classes to give some gap between the performance. I also hear from the OEMs who have been testing their GTPs that they're actually quite a bit quicker than they thought they were going to be. So holding on to LMP2 potentially with no performance changes for 2022, uh, for 2023, excuse me? Well, um, as we say here in the States, uh, jury's still out mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, we can do sim work um, mm-hmm. with uh, performance uh, capabilities of GTP cars. We, as you say, have now have all four of the committed brands um, that are going to run in 23 been on track. Gives them an opportunity to get up to speed, uh, run in anger, uh, make sure all the systems are working properly. Um, so sim work plus on-track testing is going to give us a real read. And, of course, we've got some upcoming sanctioned tests at Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta as well as Daytona to bring some LMP2 cars uh, to get a read on stratification and separation. Um, so, uh, yes, committed to LMP2, uh, not yet uh, determining exactly what the performance levels are until we can see both of those platforms on track at the same time. LMP2 is a, is a strange category at the moment because globally it's in a, a state of transition. We haven't got a new set of LMP2 regulations yet. Is that why the commitment to, to LMP2, and to a certain extent, slightly differently, but to a certain extent LMP2, uh, LMP2 and LMP3, is that why the commitment is only for one more year, John? Well, um, obviously we work closely with the ACO on the direction of uh, the sport, um, they announced at uh, the Rolex, uh, or sorry, the 24 Hours of Le Mans back in June their um, intentions on the next generation LMP2 car. Uh, we've believed that the LMP3 cars have uh, integrated nicely into the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Um, sensitive to the investments made by several mm-hmm. of our teams, um, the European teams that have joined us uh, with great enthusiasm to bring LMP2 cars here. Um, I think adding them uh, again in, in 2023 uh, provides us uh, stability, provides those teams and those um, drivers stability. Um, but we need to spend some more time with Pierre Fion, um, Frederic, Terry Bouvet, Simon, Matt Kurdock, um, and, and really look at what the future of those platforms are um, long term. Outside of WeatherTech Sports Car Championship and Michelin Pilot Challenge, very much a look that you are delighted at, I know, with the single manufacturer championships all retained for 2023. Increased car counts pretty much across the board in all of those for, for this year, which has been tremendous uh, to see. Uh, in terms of the other challenge category, that was the prototype challenge. We have a new category for 2023, the VP Sports Car Challenge, which is multi-class. It's still P3, but it adds in the GT4, the GS, or as it will be called, GSX, into two 45-minute sprint races at each event. What's the rationale behind that, given that you have already got places for both of those championships within the IMSA structure in other, in other series? 
Well, I think you mentioned the single makes. Uh, those are the prized possessions from the OEMs to us to take care of their uh, single makes, iconic cars from their portfolio, which is a launch pad to drivers to grow in the IMSA system if they want to go to a multi-class format or, or ultimately to the WeatherTech Championship at the, at the top. Um, but what this uh, VP Racing Sports Car Challenge does for us is gives us another platform to introduce uh, multi-class racing. We have that in Pilot Challenge. We have that in WeatherTech. But in this case, uh, a real entry level, if you will, of prototypes and GT4 cars. Um, two 45-minute sprint races, uh, single driver. Um, a team conceivably could run a GT4 car in both the VP Sports Car Challenge um, uh, VP Racing Sports Car Challenge and the Michelin Pilot on the same weekend. Um, so I think there's some efficiencies there, but ultimately it's an opportunity for drivers to, to get their feet wet and uh, test their wares in multi-class racing prototype and GT. And, and I suppose the differential is that GT4 at the moment in GS, uh, they're the top class, and therefore they're not very often looking over their shoulders. They're going to have prototypes coming by them. And on the other side of the coin, LMP3, uh, currently are the are the uh, entry level, if you like, to the prototype challenge, and they get to be the big dogs in this one. So it's a little bit of a change of character for both of those categories. What I remember from my first uh, Skip Barber racing school was, you know, as a, as a race driver, you need to learn how to pass and how to be passed. And I think that is exactly what the new uh, sprint format can do to us in the multi-class. And you're right, the LMP3 drivers are going to have to work their way safely through some GT4 traffic. And at the same time, those GT4 drivers are going to have to be prepared for a, a prototype to come uh, streaming by. But in both cases, uh, car placement on the track, uh, how to do that in traffic, being passed while you're racing someone else, uh, this is a great uh, training ground in my mind for those drivers that want to go to uh, a higher level championship in our portfolio. A couple of final questions. One is Chicago, NASCAR. Um, we heard that it would be including an IMSA event of, of some, uh, of some uh, one of the championships, an IMSA event of, of some case, but that wasn't announced tonight. Why was that and what will we hear in the future? Is, is it not going to happen or is it still being discussed? Well, first of all, um, huge credit to my teammates at NASCAR. Uh, Steve Phelps has said on several occasions we're going to do things differently at NASCAR. We're going to be unique. You saw that at the L.A. Coliseum, uh, the Clash event last year. Incredible. The number of new fans that came to that event, uh, you know, darn near, uh, uh, oh, I think darn near 80% of the fans had never been to a, an auto race before. So tremendous there. Um, but to go to Chicago, to bring um, – street racing to Chicago. You know, I'm, I'm a Chicago boy. That's where I grew up and been dreaming about that since I was a little kid. So to bring the next-gen cars there, amazing. Uh, at some point, we'll announce uh, an IMSA platform, as was announced on July 19th, that uh, we hope to take there. Um, as always, we talked about it, you and I, on several moments in the state of the sport. There's a lot of moving parts, and we're trying to be sensitive to the number of weekends in a row uh, for our participants. Uh, the number of uh, uh, um, short races, long races, the mileage, that type of stuff. So um, hate to say it, but more to come. We plan to make an announcement uh, in a not-too-distant future on what we can take uh, to the Windy City. 
Well, that's great news because I, I think there's a great opportunity there to showcase IMSA's wares, whatever it is, uh, ends up being on the streets with NASCAR. And obviously, I hope I can be there to see it because I think that's going to be fantastic. Final question. I said there was two more questions. Here is the final question. As we stand here now, having just finished the state of the sport, how do you, as the president of IMSA, see the organisation and see how that sport sits now, either in terms of it right now or how the springboard is for the future? Because... Clearly, with the sustainability uh, ideals that IMSA continue to have and have had for a decade or more now, with everything else that's happening in the world, how do you and IMSA stay relevant and stay on the right side of everybody's conversation? Yeah, um, I've said it several times in, in recent months. If you like IMSA racing that you see today, um, just wait. It's going to get better. Um, we've got uh, Ford that's made a commitment to bring the Mustang into GT3. We've got uh, five manufacturers now that have uh, put a stake in the ground that they're coming to GTP, the top category. Um, several folks have said it's going to be a golden era of sports car racing. Well, I was growing up in the uh, 80s. I thought I saw the golden era of GTP. Now we're bringing it back. So uh, tremendous um, momentum, uh, a very bright future. Uh, but what we announced around sustainability this evening, um, a renewable fuel in the top category. We already knew that hybrid electric uh, was uh, coming to the hot top category, which is going to uh, obviously uh, diminish uh, fuel consumption in and of itself. And then what we're able to do with our partners at Michelin uh, regarding uh, reduction in tire usage, um, the fact that they already have um, darn near uh, 30% of their existing tire uh, made from sustainable raw materials. Uh, a 53% uh, sustainable raw material tire that we can test and potentially integrate. Um, when you look at that and our partnerships with uh, the Environmental Protection Agency, uh, the Department of Energy, and the Society of Automotive Engineers here in the U.S., um, the future of what we can do um, as a sport to be responsible um, to align with what our automakers are asking for relative to fuel and, and hybrid and, and um, a, a carbon footprint. Um, we have got a, a moment here uh, as a sport, as IMSA, um, to tell a tremendous story about performing at the highest levels and still being responsible. You know, high performance and sustainability, those two things combined are extremely special for all of us involved and for those who watch us on NBC, listen to you and the IMSA radio team, um, and, and take us in on a streaming platform like Peacock. John, thanks very much for your time. Uh, IMSA then is uh, responsible, clearly. It's still relevant, clearly, and it's still real racing, which is brilliant. John, thanks very much indeed. Thanks, John, for the opportunity, and uh, appreciate all the fans that listen to you and watch IMSA no matter where we race. That was the president of IMSA, John Doonan, speaking to John Hindoff on Friday after the state of the sport. You're listening to the Michelin Countdown to Green, continuing here on the grid and with one of the newest members of the Michelin family. Well, not new to the family, but new to the IMSA side of things. Jason Elzone, welcome to this atmosphere. Your first impressions of being a part of this family. 
Uh, thank you, Shay, for, for having me today. Uh, it's exciting. I'm super thankful to have this opportunity to be, be part of the Michelin Motorsports team. Uh, just It's exciting to be here and uh, see the race today. Very exciting times ahead for Michelin as well. There's a lot of sustainability that's coming into play that we heard about at the State of the Sport, particularly with the GTB tires. There's been a lot of testing so far, but there's a lot more to come. How has that stress been playing on Michelin? You know, our team is uh, built on a bunch of professionals, so so we're ready for the challenge of GTP testing. And, uh, you know, we have a, a, a busy schedule here this summer to, to get us prepared for next year, but exciting times around GTP, especially when it comes to, to sustainability. And before we move that far ahead in the future, we've got to get through this weekend. Talk about Road America. We've got so many series running on Michelin tires this weekend, three of them. It's a lot of tires you have to bring to the track. Michelin Pilot Challenge with the four-hour race, and then this race, which could have a little bit of precipitation, needing rain tires. Yes, you know, thankfully we're prepared uh, for, for the weather. We have uh, plenty, plenty of inventory on wet tires, and our, our team has done a great job of preparing Michelin for this, this weekend's races. Uh, exciting times here at the track. You're a car guy through and through, a race fan at heart. What's it like to be here on the pit lane before the start of a race and know that you've played a part of it? Well, all I can say is uh, humbled by the opportunity to be be a part of this and, uh, you know, thankful that I get to work with a, a great team here in the Michelin Motorsports uh, family. And, uh, yeah, just excited to be here overall. Jason, thank you so much. We'll talk to you lots more in the future, I'm sure. Good luck and enjoy the day. Thank you, Shay. Jeremy Shaw with the grid for today's two hours and 40 minute contest. The IMSA Fast Lane Foot Sports Car Weekend. This is round nine for DPI in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. It's round five for LMP2 and LMP3. It's round eight for GTD and GTD Pro. And it's also the seventh out of eight rounds in the IMSA WeatherTech Sprint Cup. 37 cars on the grid for this race. In the 37th position, will be uh, Aiden Reed for Rick Ware Racing and number 51 Acura NSX GT3. Both he and Jaden Conright, car number 42, that's the NTE SSR Lamborghini Huracan GT3. Their times were disallowed after qualifying after they got out of their cars before they were supposed to. Yeah, that was it. The rules are, are very clear. Uh, those two, by the, by the way, were together next to each other on the pit lane, and one saw the other get out of the car, so they thought, oh, I can get out as well. Wrong. Go to the back of the grid. So, 35th position will be Ryan Hardwick. That's the number 16, Wright Motorsports Porsche 911 GT3R. Row 17, Cooper McNeil, kind of a 79, the WeatherTech Racing Mercedes AMG GT3. Alongside the leader in the Sprint Cup Championship for GTD, that's Madison Snow, the number one Paul Miller Racing BMW M4 GT3. Row 16, well that's all Heart of Racing Team, its pair of Aston Martin Vantage GT3s. The number 27 GTD car of Roman De Angelis and the number 23 Pro car of Alex Ribéras separated by just a tenth of a second in their qualifying runs. Row 15, Russell Ward in the number 57 Windward Racing Mercedes AMG GT3 alongside another pro car. That would be John Edwards in number 25 BMW M Team RLL BMW M4 GT3. 28th on the grid, Stephen McAleer, the championship leader in GTD. That's the number 32 Team Courtois Motorsports Mercedes AMG GT3 alongside the Lamborghini Huracan 
For Carbon with Peregrine Racing, car number 39 is Robert McGuinness, qualified third in GTD. Row 13 on the grid is the front row qualifiers of GTD. Frankie Montecalvo will start second this time, breaking his streak of two consecutive pole positions in number 12, Vassar Sullivan Lexus RCF GT3. Alongside him on the pole, uh, a tremendous uh, qualifying run for Robbie Foley, car number 96, the Turtle Motorsport BMW M4 GT3. Then the three GTD Pro cars ahead of them on the grid on the 12th row, Antonio Garcia, the number three Corvette Racing Chevrolet Corvette C8R GTD. Alongside the championship leader, Faf Motorsports, car number nine, Porsche 911 GT3R. But on the pole position in GTD Pro is car number 14, Jack Hawksworth in the Vassar Sullivan Lexus RCF GT3. Moving on to the LMP3 field, 21st on the grid, Ori Fidani, car number 13, the AWA Duquesne D08. Ahead of him, the similar car for JDC Miller Motorsports, uh, making his uh, first start in this championship for about eight years. From Minnesota in car number 90 is Jerry Kraut. Alongside him on the grid in car number 30 for Junior 3 Racing, Olivier JSP320, that's Ari Baylog. And, and a row nine on the grid, John Bennett to the championship leader in car number 54, the court orders for Liger, alongside the similar car for Performance Tech Motorsports, car number 38 from Australia is Cameron Shields. Two more Ligiers share the eighth row of the grid. For MLT Motorsports, the number 58 car is Josh Sarchet. Alongside him, a tremendous run on the final lap of qualifying to set the third fastest time in LMP3. Car number 74 for Riley Motorsports is Gar Robinson. Two more Ligiers on the front row of the grid. For Andretti Autosport, in car number 36 is Jarrett Andretti. But on the pole position for the first time, first time he's qualified the car, for Sean Creech Motorsports, standing in for for Lance Wilsey this weekend from Denmark, the youngster in car number 33, the pollster in LMP3 is Malta Jakobsen. Moving on to LMP2, the sixth row of the grid on the outside is car number 81, the Dragon Speed USA entry. All of these cars, by the way, are Orica uh, 07s powered by the Gibson V8 engine. Alongside him is John Ferrano in car number 8 for Tower Motorsport. Fourth on the LMP2 grid, 10th overall, Dennis Anderson from Denmark in car number 20 for high class racing. Alongside the defending race winner from last season for Aero Motorsport in car number 18, really good qualifying run for Dwight Merriman. But on the front row of the grid for LMP2, the pair of PR1 Matheson Motorsports entry, separated by just a tenth of a second, was on the pole last time out in these cars, but had to make to do with second position yesterday. That's number 52, Patrick Kelly. And on the pole position, a really fine run for Stephen Thomas in car number 11. And now the top six cars on the grid, well, they're all DPIs. A mistake, however, in qualifying means that the uh, Cadillac Racing DPI 01 of Sebastian Bourdais will start uh, tail end Charlie and the DPI cars in sixth position. Alongside him, Olivier Pla for caliber 31, the wheel and engineering racing Cadillac. Row two on the outside, Richard Westbrook taking the qualifying duties for the first time this year in car number five, the JDC Miller Motorsports Cadillac. Alongside him for Meyer Shank racing with Kerbagajanian, the championship leader coming into this weekend in the Acura uh, ARX 05. Car number 60 is Tom Blomquist. 
front row of the grid, well, we've got one Cadillac and one Acura. In second position is the Cadillac Racing, number 02 for the Englishman Alex Lynn. But on the pole position, just a tremendous run yesterday uh, for the Portuguese driver in calibre 10, the Konica Minolta Acura ARX05. Pole sitter is Philippe Albuquerque. Malti Jakobsen, pole sitter for the LMP3. All right, you've had a night to sleep on it. The rain isn't falling. How are you feeling about the start of this race? I feel very, very good. And yeah, by now it looks like we stay out of the rain. So probably we are going to start on the slick tires, which, yeah, I'm happy with. Then we know what we have got underneath the car because we haven't driven here in the wet before. So yeah, it'll be interesting. How steep was the learning curve here? First time to this track. It was quite steep because it's a proper racetrack i mean there's no runoff areas and stuff like that it's a real old school racetrack but i like it that way and luckily we had two test days about two weeks ago so that was perfect preparation for this race malta thank you good luck in the race thank you very much yeah he, he had one or two incidents jeremy it's fair to say he was finding the outer edge of adhesion and didn't find the grass a couple of times but bounced back literally uh, very well didn't damage the car too much clearly the team were happy enough to put him in uh, for the run to that pole position he's obviously as you would say here a, a quick study a quick learner uh, and I like what he said there this is a proper racetrack yeah for eight for an 18 year old you've got to love it haven't you I mean, he really is a talent is young Malta Jakobsen uh, a real really impressive young man uh, and got a, a much older head on his shoulders I would suggest and you know he was he was making no bones about it. we had a chat to him well I had a chat to him this morning actually I saw him on in the in the breakfast line and you know he just loved he, as he told Shay Allen there loves this racetrack and uh, he was pushing the car to the limits that's what you're supposed to do our Porsche keys to the race here uh, the first one Shane and I have discussed a little bit at least the changes drive time has changed that will change the strategy here it's it's the same in DPI if you're just joining us on the countdown to green still 10 minutes in DPI but it's moved to 30 minutes for all the other classes and that's a big change particularly for LMP2 but that basically means that everybody is going to come in after half an hour and that's because of the threat of weather yeah, uh, knee-jerk reaction. Uh, I mean, I, I understand why they're doing it. If there are thunderstorms, if we have to shorten the race, we don't want the, f quite frankly, fiasco that we had at Watkins Glen where there were nine cars had to go to the back because through no, basically through no fault of their own, they weren't able to meet the minimum drive time. But, you know, if it does stay dry, uh, the LMP2 drivers in particular, they're supposed to do an hour minimum. Yeah. And I was just talking to Jerry Kraut, actually, down the pit lane. I said, Jerry, are you going to get out after after half an hour? That's not my plan. He said, no. no. Good for you. He's a racing driver. He okay. just wants to go there. Of course, he's not going for the championship. This yeah. is just a one-off event for Jerry. His, his home racetrack, even though he's from Minnesota. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I get why it's done. But, um, yeah. Uh, pit stops here. It's a long pit lane. You don't want to make yeah. any more than you need to. You don't. Uh, it is a long pit lane. And, uh, and that comes into penalties the as well, limit, by the well, way. Well, quite. The, the speed limit starts way before the first pit, and it's a long, long pit up uphill as well. And because it's uphill... Uh, you, you've got to make sure that you can reach your pit stall. You don't. You won't be coasting to it. Let's put it that way. Uh, and the tyres. Now t we're going to start on. It's it's dry. It's absolutely dry now. So it, it they will have to start on the tyres on which they qualified, which were slick tyres. Um, 
Shea was saying that there's a couple of teams there who don't have a whole host of new tyres left because they weren't expecting to need them at this point. This track is hard on tyres, yeah. even on a two-hour, 40-minute race. If this is green and dry all the way through, tyres will play a part here. Yeah. And tyre management will play a part, yeah. definitely. Very much so. And you know, the, and the, the rain overnight will have washed away some of the rubber. It had been laid down over the last few days as well. So uh, it is going to be fairly green. The cars are going to be sliding around a bit. And yes, it is going to be fairly hard on the tyres. So uh, we heard Malte Jacobsen say, you know, he, they're probably going to be starting on dry. So I just had a quick run up and down the pit lane a few minutes ago. And, you know, the, there was still at that stage, that was about 15, 20, well, half an hour ago, uh, ago now, I suppose. And, you know, teams were still hedging their bets. You know, they, they were prepared to start on wets. But I think we'll see everybody on dries. But it'll probably be still at least damp. On, through the kettle bottles bottom section of the track, through the through that infamous kink, John. And finally, the weather. Yeah. Uh, you can't control that. You have to react to it. You, it's even dangerous to try and to try and preempt it, Jeremy. Um, IMSA will will call the race if there's issues with lightning. If it just rains, then that's where the strategy will play in. Yeah, and that's you know, we race in the rain. That's no problem. It, it's just if there if there is lightning in the area, that is of course. The, uh, the determining factor here because uh, that comes down to purely a safety issue. Uh, same if there was torrential rain, but if just kind of regular rain, no problem. All the drivers uh, and teams are prepared for that. Uh, one slick tyre uh, compound in construction, one wet weather tyre in consumption, right, uh, construction right across the five classes here. Those are Porsche keys to the race. We'll revisit those in the race. Uh, we'll have the VP in race updates as well. VP Racing Fuel. Let's go back to Shea Adam and hear for, from some more of the drivers. Here's Bill Orbelin from Turner Motorsports. Bill, we were just sitting here talking about the rain. Will it, won't it? Excitement about it potentially happening. But for right now, it's dry. And the biggest question on everybody's mind, how many dry sets of tires do you guys have left? Do you have enough to make it through the race? That's a good question. Yeah, we got the dries. We're all set for that. Uh, we got some rains here as well. We have never driven this car on Michelin's in the wet, so we do not know what it's going to do. I've driven it on Pirelli's in the wet. I've driven on uh, Hankook's in the wet. And on 50% of those tires, it's amazing in the rain. <laughs> so uh, I'll let you know when it starts to come down and we put those rains on if I want it to rain or be dry. But you can see these conditions. There's clouds. Weather's coming. Uh, all I know is I love to be in the BMW M4 GT3. It's awesome. We got this Turner team. They did... They do great pit stops. They go great strategy. So if anybody's going to keep you, hopefully, at the front of the field, it'll be these guys. And you got to give a special shout-out to Robbie. Guy put it on the pole, finally, and uh, he did an incredible job. Well, traditionally, these rain tires have been incredible as far as the, well, when it doesn't rain and it starts to dry out, the durability of them, it gives you a wide window for the crossover point. But that's also an important thing to watch out for. BMW's been very good at that as well. Could that come into play as an advantage? Yeah, we do something very specific for that exact situation, knowing that we're going to transition from wet that keeps the tires cool and the pressure's low to hot when the tire, the tire pressures are going to build, the tires are going to start melting right on the pavement. Um, and like you said, uh, these tires transition really good where other tires will melt and blister and you think that's going to happen in the Michelin. They just don't. And you'll run them for 40 minutes into the dry and you're like, every other tire would have come to pieces and these stay absolutely intact 
I've got to ask you about something that happened yesterday because Turner was having radio issues with your car and Pilot Challenge. There is a known area of this track where you do not get radio communication, basically when you come out of the carousel until you get to Canada Corner. As a driver, is that an annoying thing or is it kind of peaceful that you're not going to have somebody on your uh, radio the whole time? No, I, I like contact. Like, right, so I like to be kept abreast of all the information, everybody around me, who's leading, who's where we are, how fast we are. Yesterday, from gentlemen start your engines, our radios basically didn't work. They would work within a 15 foot radius of our pit box right here, and we kept, Dylan was in eighth, we pulled him out of eighth, put him to dead last to try to fix the radio, didn't fix it. And then we did it again, and I'm like, hold on, we're, we're putting ourselves to dead last twice in this four hour race, let's forget this, let's, let's just march forward, and then we did, we got to fifth, and fifth for me, we're sort of out of that championship. We had like three laps to go, and I was just hail marrying all over the place trying to get it to the podium. And I got one too many hail marys in there, and it, she was not giving anymore. And I wound up in the grass, and I did this Dukes of Hazard jump. It was pretty impressive. The car hung in there, and uh, yeah, we finished seventh. But time to go racing now. Let's hope this goes good. Yeah, I love the enthusiasm for yesterday. Good luck today, Bill. Thank you so much. Enthusiasm all the time from Bill Orbelin. Uh, the championship standings, uh, Jeremy, couldn't be uh, any tighter. Let's quickly run through in the last couple of minutes how it stands. Uh, let's start in GT uh, Daytona, if you, you don't mind. We're coming to the, the business end of the season here. Yeah, we are indeed, and uh, it's, it's pretty tight uh, in that uh, category coming into the final few races of the season. Uh, it's certainly going to be all to play for here in the GTD uh, Sprint Cup Series. Madison Snow and Brian Sellers, they've got a pretty handy lead, over 200 points over Roman DeAngelis in second position. In the regular season championship, however, Stephen McAleer leads by, uh, by now just uh, 46 points uh, because he's actually, actually extended his lead a little bit yesterday in qualifying. You do get qualifying points now, mm. so uh, it's, uh, it's tight there in GTD. D. And in pro? In pro, uh, the uh, pretty good lead now for Matty Campbell and Matthew Jaminet. They are at more than 200 points clear of the Corvette team of Antonio Garcia and Jordan Taylor. In LMP3, uh, a, a lead of, well, exact, uh, 99 points for <laughs> jo John, John Bennett and Colin Brown over Garrett Grist and Ari Baylog. In LMP2, the, there is, the lead now is for John Ferrano, but by only 38 points over Henrik Hedman and Juan Pablo Montoya. Stephen uh, Thomas and Dwight Merrin and, and Ryan DL are all very close as well. So it's very tight there. In the overall DPI, uh, a very narrow lead there for uh, Oliver Jarvis and Tom Blomqvist over Ricky Taylor and Philip Albuquerque. But that gap was narrowed by five points yesterday. So just now... Uh, 51 points between those two. And in the Manufacturing Championship in, DT, in DPI, they were absolutely tied yesterday. So with the pole for Acura, that moves them slightly ahead of Cadillac. So all to play for as we move into the business end of the season. It's Jeremy Shaw and John Hindorf in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre as we wind up our Michelin countdown to green. Shea Adam is with us for the whole of this race. We'll go flag to flag here on IMSA Radio, on RS2, around the world, at the track on 87.9 FM, on, on Sirius XM, channel 207. And if you're outside the US, we can give you something to watch as well. It's not very often that I say, by all means, tune away. But it's our audio from here at Trackside that will accompany the international feed, the global feed, which is coming up in about uh, 
20 seconds time as we bring sound and vision together to service the biggest endurance sports car community anywhere in the world. Stand by for action from Rhoda Murriga. It's the IMSA Fast Lane Sports Car Weekend for the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship 2022. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, check imsaradio.com and subscribe to IMSA Radio wherever you get your podcasts.